Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Life List, a birding podcast. I am George Armistead, and I am here with both Molly Brown and Alvaro Jaramillo. Guys, how are you doing today? Hi. Doing well, this is our first uh, nocturnal recording, I think. Yeah. This after hours right. recording. Speak for yourselves. It's, a, yeah. it's still bright, bright out here. You know? that's oh, true. that's West yeah. Coast time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been dark here for like an hour and a half, two hours or something. Yeah, it has. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's that time of year, right? It gets dark. Short. That's right. It just gets dark early and stays dark kind of late, although that's going to change next week with, uh, with the time change. But, um, mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's going to change for you because you're going to be in Antarctica. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. That's uh, Alvaro and I are very much on the countdown to that cruise, which is coming up. We are, uh, Alva, you leave on just a couple days. I leave the day after you, I think. I leave on uh, Saturday. I think you leave on the Friday, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I have a pre-tour, little two-day thing to go and see a few things in Argentine, Patagonia, and and uh so then then we and also gives us time to have you know all of us arrive on time and all that and luggage as we all know um that can be a concern when you're going on a tour absolutely what what's uh what's your pre-tour target bird alro pre-tour target bird um boy um i was gonna say pre-tour target food asado de tira which is mm. it's like a it's a grilled you know um bit of uh it's it's ribs it's beef ribs it's actually kind of nice and it's kind of salty and it's got a little flavorful fat but burns you say um <laughs> that part of argentina has the magellanic woodpecker so yes you know, yes folks do want to see that big time i try to downplay it because i i feel like the more you think about the woodpecker the less you have the karma to find it because mm-hmm. they're not rare but they're kind of like pileated you know sometimes you just can't find them yeah and if i had to like sort of point to the one bird you know that i think i'd like to see that i haven't seen very many times would be the white-bellied seed snipe but that's going to be a tough one. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there's, I think there might be too much snow to get up to where they are. I don't know. We'll see. Depends. Yeah, it depends. If it's depends. A, a certain amount of snow can be good because it can keep them down a little bit lower, but you'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to have to see. Um, yeah. It's a fun two days. Well, when this yeah, comes really. out, you'll both be cruising along. So yeah, we'll be yeah. somewhere probably like close to the Falkland Islands or something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even. I don't know. Yeah, I can't do that math. Not that smart. But. Too late for that. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How long does it take you to get to the Falklands? It's like a day, a couple right? days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's like close to two days, something like that. A day and a half or something like that. Yeah. We kind of start out at night, right? Yeah. It yeah. Starts out, yeah. So there's kind of a night, then a full 24 hours. Full day at sea. Yeah. Then I think we wake up there, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we'll be looking for the tussock bird and Cobb's wren and um, seeing 
black-browed albatross colonies with rock-hopper penguin colonies, mm-hmm. and then on to South Georgia, and then on to the peninsula, and hopefully some whales here and there. But we'll we'll talk more about all that in the uh, the not too distant future. We're planning yeah. to do a little recording while we're while we're steaming out at sea out there. So that'll be hopefully something folks will look forward to hearing about. Um, but yeah, yeah a big ground of big, big bunch of us, uh, from rock jumper, Alvaro. Yeah. 190 folks on board. So, uh, a lot of birders. yeah. American birding association, Alvaro's adventures, rock jumper, all sorts of folks. So yeah. Well, uh, Molly Brown, what's going on in West Virginia? You know what? I have been more in mammal mode than I have been in bird mode recently. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, dropped a video on Facebook the other day. But just because I got a new trail camera and I'm just very much sidetracked on like the art of positioning the trail camera. And it's just so slow. You know, our property that we have here in West Virginia is like 25 minutes from where we live now. So until we get a house built on it. Um, we're just driving up once or twice a week and that's becoming less now that the days are getting shorter. So there's like so much intention and strategy that goes into every visit that I make now. And I like position the camera a little bit differently. We're not baiting anything, but we've had some fun mammals so far. I've had that for six weeks. So wow. <laughs> that's been most yeah, of my that, time. that was a pretty sweet little mashup vid you put out there. Yeah. Um, Wherever, whatever you're doing, it looks like you're doing it right. Cause, uh, man, Fisher is one of my most wanted mammals. Did you have, you think it was one so animal or, or two? Honestly, I think it's two. Um, mm-hmm. because I looked at those videos, I got two videos in the same night. And so it records photo and video on that trail cam. And it missed video of something that we had a few days before. And I thought it looked like, a beaver. It was kind of a a nighttime blurry photo. Um, and I didn't think it was a fisher, but I wanted it to be a fisher. And then we, we got good video the next day. But I think one's much bigger than the other. And I have a video of one at n- nighttime and one in the daytime. And the, the pattern on the coat looks a little different too. Mm. Although it's hard to tell. So I don't know. I, I went on a huge deep dive of research and the range can cover up to 15 square miles. So I wow. doubt that they're um, spending a whole lot of time on our property. I don't think that we really have enough trees that are mature enough to really sustain them. But I don't know if they'll be back or not. They haven't been since I got those videos. But yeah, fishers and a lot of other cool mammals. I think we're at, I don't know, 12 mammal species or something on the camera. So that's fun. But that was the best find. Yeah, that is amazing. That's There's been uh, a reintroduction program of them here in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Um, and, uh, they've done, they've done quite well. Um, from what I understand, I think the Northern tier of counties here in Pennsylvania, it's a pretty good place now, uh, to find fishers, uh, some friends of mine that used to live up there. I remember them saying they'd see them crossing the road every now and then, um, mm-hmm. or every now and then you see a roadkill, which is of course a real bummer, mm-hmm. but, um, people, we have minks around here in Philadelphia area. Yeah. And people, I will, you know, periodically report, they're like, I got a fisher. And it's like always a mink. It's mm-hmm. like every single time I've seen, it, it's like a mink. And you try to tell them, and they're like, no, no, no. I, I have one good authority <laughs> that this is a fisher. And I want to be like, okay, all right, you know. But uh, yeah, that's high, high, high on my list. Mustelids in general 
are mm -hmm. like up there with cetaceans, you know, along with birds for me, cats, cetaceans, you know, and mustelids. Fantastic. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's a great group. Of well, animals. I have yet to see one in person, but this feels kind of as good as seeing one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is maybe a topic we'll dive into on the bird side here in a bit, talking about like. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, exactly. That's a good teaser. So, there, I don't right? know if I, I count like that. that as a life mammal or not, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, you know, I'm I was like shocked. Uh and I was like, this can't be. Because uh, my you know, my thought was like fishers are in the boreal forest. I always think of them as like way <laughs> yeah. up north. Yeah. And then like I'm I'm looking at you know, I'm even looking at iNaturalists and stuff, and and there's all of these lowland, not even just in the mountains of, you know, Pennsylvania to West Virginia and stuff, but in the lowlands, like even in like near Buffalo in New mm -hmm. York State. Then I'm thinking like, that makes no sense. Uh, yet then I, you know, on the Canadian side, actually, they're more restricted. They're actually up a little further north, fewer records in that sort of lowland area. And are there is there any evidence that they're spreading? I think, you know, that's yes. I don't know if they're wild. spreading in range, but certainly in population. I okay. think there was yeah. a huge drop off two hundred or one hundred to two hundred years ago from a Trapping. mix of the fur trade and deforestation and just habitat loss because they need mature forests. Um, yeah, you know, I was looking at that Alvaro and I didn't dig in, but I saw there was an isolated population in California though. Oh, really? um, and I, yeah, kind of over your way, I believe. Yeah, I mean, if I'm I've, remembering I've correctly, seen, I've seen. Oh, yeah, I see them now here. I, I, I've actually seen uh, Martin, like mm. in Pine Martin, in California. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's all surprising. I I know fishers love eating porcupine, though. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have porcupine. So what are <laughs> they're they not too far from here? You know, I. I from what I saw, they eat everything. I mean, I, I think that they're a possum, a maybe. And mm -hmm. I saw the other one that actually gives dogs trouble, um, probably more than a lot of other mammals that people think are like. I'd say more like than hawks, perhaps. <laughs> it's like a mini Is honey badger. That, you know? Yeah, yeah, like they do everything. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Yeah. You know, they don't give a. They don't. They don't give Slaps a rat's ass. around. Yeah, exactly. Cobras, whatever. You know. Maybe yeah. not the fish. Is it true that they snap one of the quills from a porcupine and clean their teeth with it? Is that true? <laughs> that's a factual. That's a factual statement. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, uh, I'm glad often. we we teach people mm -hmm. things on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not no, true. I think, everybody. come on. It, but I do think <laughs> one. My, Alvaro, I feel like you probably and Molly maybe on your digging you saw this as well. But that the name Fisher, I think, derives from like a French word for this animal or something. Um, and, uh, that, you know, that, that I think that's how the name arose, but they, they don't have anything to do with fish. As you said, Alvaro, they like, uh, they like porcupine and I suspect they get after, um, you know, probably some birds and, and, uh, mm -hmm. quite a few other rodents, I imagine. Um, but I know they like, they like porcupine a bunch, but yeah, Maryland, I think the Pennsylvania, you know, reintroduction program, I don't know how that works exactly, but I know that I saw on the Maryland Biodiversity Project, which is a pretty amazing project. Um, they basically track all wildlife, uh, you know, in its history in uh, in the state of Maryland. 
And I remember seeing, I want to say it was two, three years ago, that they had Maryland's first documented fisher in like 70 years or something like that. Hmm. And uh, hmm. and they sort of, my recollection is they indicated that, the, as Molly said, the populations of Pennsylvania were starting to grow and that maybe they were kind of pushing south a bit more. Um, but yeah, interesting hmm. stuff. More mustelids would be fun. You, you know, yeah, you're talking about the names, and I recently learned, um, I haven't confirmed this, you know, the crowd maybe can confirm this, that the name Mallard, which, you know, we've used forever, and you always wonder, like, what does that mean, you know? And it comes from, like, male, like, for the mal part, and the art is sort of like dullard, or, you know, like, a, it's basically a mailard, like, it's just a real male thing. And I thought, that's a weird name. Like, it's just sort of male bird um, <laughs> is is or is what the uh, the name implies. Hmm. Um, and I thought, that is weird. It's, it's a really old name, you know, like not, not recent, obviously. And it may come from, you know, romance language mixed with, with sort of, you know, old English or something. But... Uh, I'd like to know <laughs> because it yeah. is a weird name, Mallard. Yeah. 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 I always assumed it was yeah, French origin somehow. Uh, so just I did look up the Fisher. It says the name comes from the colonial Dutch equivalent Vissa or Vissa, I don't know how you pronounce that, F I S S E. Oh Vissa in the French Vissa language is like a a mink, right? Yeah, it says it's the it's in the French language the pelt of a polecat is also called a fisha or a fiche. Um yeah, so it's, it's Mustella Vissen. V i s s o n for mink. It's the same word then. Bisson Fisher. Yeah, same root. Different species, huh? Although now it's Pecania penantii. Looks like they've changed the. No, for mink. Yeah, yeah. But that whole family's, I think, undergone taxonomic changes recently. <laughs> like the all weasels and otters, I think a lot of them have changed. Um, so from, from what I saw on Ida. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Cool bunch of animals. Very cool. Yeah. I was very jealous of yeah. that, Molly, when I saw that. I was like, oh, she's got Fisher on. Police I had to show that through. off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I have been doing next to next to no birding the last week or so. What? Um, yeah. This is true. your favorite season. It is. That's true. I I did do a little bit of action. (laughs) I know. I did do a teeny bit of yard birding, and I am pleased to announce that I broke the century mark for the yard here. Uh, I did get. I was I was sitting at ninety nine for like a month or something, and I added. uh, Yeah, and the best new addition is I had a flock of brant flying over way up high. I was like looking for hawks. We actually had a big day for red shouldered hawks moving through. A bunch of people, Ashland Hawk Watch, I saw in Northern Delaware, they had a record day of like 140 or so. Here in Philly, uh, my buddy Liam Hart, he had 40 or so pass by his place. I just looked for a couple hours and I had like 26 of them. So I was looking at hawks and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like scanning way up high and I see this flock of 16 Brant, like way up there. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. I did manage to get some pics where you could actually tell what it was. So that was that was definitely one of my best yard birds to date. But otherwise around mm. here, it's been a lot of time watching 
sports because the Philadelphia Phillies are in the World Series. I, I, yeah, that is that is not a joke. That is a true statement. First time (laughs) since 2010, they're back in the World Series. I don't know where this team came from. I I was talking to my mom the other day, and I said, "Mom, I don't know what's happened to our baseball team, but I like it, and it has really been something." And uh, and at the same time, my Philadelphia Eagles are seven and zero, undefeated, best record in football. And the Philadelphia Union are going to the finals. So it is pretty much nirvana in sports right now here in Philadelphia. Hmm. Hmm. Not that you guys can. I wouldn't (laughs) offend half the world. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a thought you have quite frequently. Yeah. (laughs) I I had to, I took. Uh, like Pablo, my son, when he was kind of interested dabbling in various other sports, I took him to see a couple of major league baseball games, you know, uh, in San Francisco. And I did not find it exciting whatsoever. Um, and I got to say that I thought, okay, I've watched this on TV. It's not exciting. Obviously, when I get there live, it's going to be exciting. Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> I, I just like... <laughs> And I, I, I wonder if there's some sports, maybe cricket also might be one. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, that that you just, um, you got to be born into, like, sort of have the knowledge of everything that's going on early, you know, early in your life to understand it all and, and kind of get it so that you're really invested in it. Now, I'm not a particularly, like, sports-oriented person, but... On the other hand, you know, I was in South Africa and there was uh, some rugby, some of the um, sevens rugby going on on TV. I was like, I couldn't get keep my eyes off that. I was looking at it, and, you know, things are going back and forth, stuff's happening. And you, you, I was like, you know, you're immediately kind of drawn to it. So I'm like, I hope you guys win. But I got to say, I don't think I'm going to be watching that game tonight. Well, we're playing the biggest cheaters in the game in the Houston Astros, well known for their their cheating scandal that actually won them a World Ooh. Series years ago. So I think that I, th- I kind of think the Phillies now are you offended have. the rest of the people, you know. Who... Yeah, <laughs> I, I I offended all true. the baseball fans, and then now you've offended, oh, you know. But... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Um, it's true. It was a big mistake. Yeah, but, yeah you mean, can add a prediction and then uh we can see how that happens by the time this podcast comes out oh molly put me on the spot <laughs> here man. i am putting you on the spot yeah you know this cheaters thing though it's interesting because i was getting a beer the other day after the pelagic and there was a guy going on about cheating and you know and, and i was like so th- then i started getting interested it's like then i was like how do you <laughs> cheat in baseball you know like but then i yeah i couldn't figure that out uh that's beyond my comprehension, obviously. Because, but anyway, I hope that you guys win. Yeah, I think I hope so. I, <laughs> I hope I, you get I, lots of touchdowns. Yeah, oh, Alvaro, <laughs> what a disgrace! What a disgrace! Yeah, I, my, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to make a prediction, Molly. But I will say <laughs> this: that um, we're going up against a formidable team in the Astros. They are. They have a. They have. They are definitely have a deeper team than us. But I am set to leave on the day of game seven and mm-hmm. there has since been a rain delay the game last night was rained out so 
the game is supposed now I'm supposed to leave on game six. So it would be really nice if the Phillies would wrap this up in a five in five games. That would mean that they yeah. would win here in Philadelphia as well. So we will see what happens with that. But that is enough about sports probably for a birding podcast for in, a, a day. In terms of like the sport of birding though, one of the things I was thinking about was you're talking was uh and, and you know you probably don't want to make predictions on on the games that matter to you because actually it matters to you right and you kind of you could jinx something by making a prediction right i mean there's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you you know and i was thinking about the fact that i just went on a trip and we went by this we had this store in one of the hotels had this beautiful hat like baseball cap you know with with a magellanic woodpecker on it and there was a person who was like "Ooh, i like that but i can't buy it because I have mm-hmm. not seen the woodpecker yet. And if you buy the shirt or you buy the the hat, it's kind of jinxes your chance of seeing the bird. And yeah. I was, you know, I buy into that. And in a sense, it's also pre um, you know, it's not like you you can buy anything you want, but you really deserve to wear it in a sense once right you've earned it experience you earned it right yeah seeing the whatever it is and i was like thinking that's there's a lot of parallels between birds and sporting things and stuff that you do and you don't do you know and uh that was one of them that just i was thinking about with you not wanting to make predictions (laughs) because you don't not it's not about being wrong it's probably about more swaying the cosmic outcome Right. Yes, exactly. Like it's extent. the superstitious. It is definitely yeah. the superstitious yeah. part of me. Is I don't want to offend the that. baseball gods. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, speaking of sort of the the gaming aspect of birding, um, we had an interesting question from Fred Hochstetter, and Fred said, "You know, your podcast is titled Life List." What would you guys say, or what would anybody say necessarily, are the criteria for counting a lifer on your life list? Would it be seeing it, seeing it, and hearing it? Will just hearing it be okay? Uh, we'll remember, you know, a few years ago, the ABA changed their listing rules such that herd birds count. Um, you know, is if you get a, a quick glimpse or just see a, a, you know a snatch of movement that you know is the bird is that good enough um you know what if you photograph the bird but don't realize that the bird you're photographing is a lifer until later on do you count that um do you, you know do you have to know what it was at the time in the field to be able to count it um so these are some interesting questions because they they all raise memories of examples of birds where, uh, you know, there is some, you know, some criteria called into question, um, you know, and he, and Fred was saying, for me, herd, herd only birds is fine for night birds and rails, but for pretty much everything else, he wants to see them for at least a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know, Molly, you just had a video camera only fisher, you know, how do you, would you, would you count this on your, your life list, your property list, obviously, probably that. Um, yeah. I don't know where you come down on that. Yeah, I I wouldn't. Ugh. 
man, I really didn't think about this example before, but no, I wouldn't count a fisher on my life list. I've never seen a fisher. I, you know, it's when I was out there the other day in the middle of the day, like several days after I was checking every tree, (laughs) I was looking for them everywhere and uh, just hoping I was going to get lucky. And of course I didn't. Uh, But no, I started off being looser with my life list than I am now. Um, because when I started, I felt more pressure to have a big life list and my life list has grown over the years. So I guess that in itself decreases some of the pressure. Also, I think I have a a little bit more confidence as a birder and I'm a little less afraid to, uh, to admit that I didn't get a good look at something or that I want it not as a herd only. Um, that being said, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm pretty subjective. I don't have a hard set of rules of you have to check these boxes or whatever to count something for my life list. I think I want to be confident in the ID. So mm-hmm. in some cases that is a herd only. And I, I get kind of stressed out putting spotlights on birds and going through a lot of effort to get some of the birds like at night and rails and those types of things. Like, like was said, right, in email. Where if you might be pressuring um, the bird. That's not as fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I care less about that. And I really enjoy hearing birds. I mean, I, I get a lot of personal fulfillment out of that, too. Um, so, yeah. And, and for, uh, like, international birding or some of these trips where I'm seeing, like, when I was in Colombia recently and seeing a couple hundred birds for the first time, I I go back and revise the list and pull out anything that I wasn't positive that I, you know, remembered the moment or that type of thing. So, yeah, I uh, I just I just do what feels right <laughs> and yeah. and take it pretty loosely for my life list. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Going back to my property, I I do have a property list so that Fisher will go on INAT for our property records, so it's recorded nice. somewhere anyway. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's easier to evaluate other people's lifers than your own. You know, like <laughs> you can maintain <laughs> you some, some objectivity. Right. So, you you know, you, you, as a friend tells you a story about something and you're like, well, I don't know, I wouldn't count that. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what people do. It's like what well, you would count it yourself. It was you, but I wouldn't count that for you, George or Molly, you know, like. <laughs> but yeah. There, yeah. It's funny. <laughs> it, it is funny. Like, I feel like my criteria changes sort of like what Fred was saying, that like herd only birds. You know, he's with rails or, or night birds that, you know, herd, is, herd only is fine for him. Um, and I feel like that is true for me as well. Like in terms of if because, so, again, my life list is not, I think, similar to you guys is not it's not a big deal to me. Like I'm not a huge lister. I do want to see as much stuff as I can, you know, but I'm not mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not a hard charging lister. But there are certain stuff, there are certain, you know, birds that I do want to see well. And I, one thing I kind of remembered as you were talking, Molly, was, and it was in Colombia, was the first, first, one of my first trips there, I was standing, I was standing next to Chris Wood and he, like, we, we were in a big group of birders for the, for the Kali Bird Fair, uh, where, where Molly and I are heading soon. And there was, we were, it was like a big field trip at this place called Anchicaya, which is a really great birding area. And, um, you know, you're kind of on the road there and there's little gaps in the trees where you can see stuff. And Chris was like, 
oh my God, we just had like a toucan barbet like land right here. And then it dropped as I like moved over to try to see it, it dropped. And this was, this is before they're much easier to find there now than, than they were back then. Um, and, uh, and so that was it. And I didn't see it. And I was like, oh man. And mm. it just like stuck in my craw, you know, didn't I was see like, it drop or anything. Nothing. I got nothing, you know, yeah. and Chris like had like a you know point blank, beautiful view. And then like my next trip to Columbia, which is a year later or so, I, uh, we were in the woods we were, or we were in the forest and I heard the sound and I was like, oh, wow, that's a pair of duetting toucan barbets. And the, and the sound was just like, it just kind of knocked my socks off to hear those two going at it, duetting. And I had no problem counting that as a life bird, you know, like that mm-hmm. experience to me, that is my first real toucan barbet experience. And when I think about them, that's the experience I think back to. I didn't see those birds. They were a good ways off. Uh, I have seen them since quite a few times, but, um, but well, yeah, when I think about my life experience, that was a herd only bird that feels, you know, genuine and real to me. That's a great example. Okay. Going back to that first case, when it dropped, say you had just seen a shape sort of drop, would you have rather have had that happen or have not seen the bird at all? Yeah. What if I it don't know. Yeah. I guess if in terms of like counting it, like there's some things I'm happy to count on an eBird list, you know, as mm-hmm. having seen, even if I didn't really see it that great, mm-hmm. knowing what it was, um, something like that, where if, you know, I, I might've been okay with that, keeping that bird on my eBird list if I saw some flicker of it. But in terms of like a life look, I don't think that would have qualified, uh, for me, you know? Yep. I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I think, and, and you know, you were talking about your property list. I think because that's the list I care about my yard list and my Philadelphia list. Those are my two lists that I really am avid about. Um, this comes into play. What, what is countable comes into play there much more so, uh, for me than, than for, uh, you know, for, for my life list in the world. Um, I was going to say that's the key, right? Because right now my, what the life list is, is whatever's on eBird, you know, really. I mean, and I put everything I hear or detect or anything on eBird, even if something I didn't see, just heard it, what have you. And, but, you know, what do you count for your yard list where you're sort of kind of, you're, you, that's the it's a game there's a game there and you don't want to cheat in the game or you want to have some consistency in your game so then it actually matters so mm-hmm. you know when you when you see something i have like kind of rules you know i mean for example if i'm away from my yard and i see something fly over the yard which i think happened once and then it's been you know second time around i was actually in the yard I was okay with that because I was it flew right over the yard, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I was at the end of the street once and I had a great tailed grackle flyover, pretty good bird on the coast. I could see my house. I could see the grackle. I could see the two elements, but they weren't connected in a way that I felt was right. You were out um, in no man's land. Right. So yet, you know, that's a little insane when you start being logical about it because if i'm on my yard and i look out in the scope and i see a 
Palmer and Jaeger fly by right. a mile away, I counted from my yard list. That grackle was actually closer to my yard than that Jaeger. So if I was being logical, I would count either not count either or count both or whatever. Right. But actually not, not counting that grackle and counting the Jaeger is a little nuts, but it's part of the rules. It's the rules I've concocted that seem right to me. Mm-hmm. You know, because in a way I'm trying to find out what I can see from the place I live. Right. Oh, you know, my God. Yeah. did you guys see that? No, what? good grief. You scared me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This rather large insect just dropped from the ceiling and landed right in, <laughs> like on my lap. And I like levitated about five feet in the air. We didn't even see it. <laughs> it it made an you'll hear it on the recording later. It went like flap. <laughs> oh man, I I thought it ended. It was a cricket, but I thought for a minute that it was a large spider. And whew. wow, okay. oh, well. <laughs> you just woke me up. Oh man, wow. Sorry, sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he does uh, he does get excited at times. Every now and then, man. Mm. Wow. I did not see that coming at all. Man, I always say to people, like, anvils don't fall from the sky, people, you know? Wait, can, they, yeah, can crickets hang on the ceiling? You know, we had one of our... A short amount of time? Yeah, I, I don't know where the thing came from. Honestly. Katie did? Like, it was a Katie did. You know, I heard two Katie dids yesterday. First time in, like, five weeks I heard Katie dids here. But huh. Anyway, sorry. Wow. Um, well... Anyway, that yeah. was weird. Because we got the visual. Weird. Yeah. The people, the people out there didn't get the visual, but he kind of rolled back, like <laughs> yeah, levitating is like a good weird, way to put it. Yeah. Oh god! So, you know, I don't know. I thought like maybe a bat had gone over or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, that got me pretty good. That got me good, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, to Turn back to listing for a moment here. One one of the uh, one of the big count ones. That cricket. Yeah, I'm, I gotta hide at that thing. Definitely. It's on the podcast list thing. now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where it is right now. It's probably crawling into my suitcase area over here from getting packed for Antarctica. Take it. Down. I'll introduce it to Argentina. Yeah, I was gonna say I'll introduce it to South Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you better check for those lantern flies, man, before you oh, go. Like, jeez, uh, you don't want to bring those anywhere. No. You definitely don't. Luckily, they seem to be done for the year. But uh, yeah, one the big issue I run into here in Philly and people come down on different sides of it as far as the listing goes is where are you versus – and this, Alvaro, you got me thinking mm-hmm. about this with your yard listing um, – is like you have to be in your yard or does the like in i feel like the yard is the one and we've talked about this a little bit before where if a bird's just flying over you know and you can see it from your yard um you know you count it and like i count bird like for me if i'm in philadelphia and whatever i can see like i i look at everything is like uh the i kind of look at the yard list as the um the basic unit of listing and everything goes from there. And so if I'm in Philadelphia personally, but the bird is soaring around over in New Jersey or, you know, up above Montgomery County rather than in Philadelphia, 
that doesn't bother me. If I'm in Philly and I've seen it from Philly, I'll count it. Um, and, uh, and eBird protocol pretty much, you know, allows for that. Uh, so I don't, but I've had people that really like, there's a pond in the Heinz refuge a couple years ago and some black bellied whistling ducks turned up in this pond and it's just barely outside the city in Delaware County. And I managed to find a place where through the trees, I could see the black bellied whistling ducks through a little hole in the vegetation so that I could count them for my Philadelphia list. And this was frowned upon deeply by uh, some of my, my colleagues in the, uh, the, the area here, but others, well, you know, sort of saw it like I do. So, I point think of attention. I would, in this case, disagree with what you have done, George, because mm. heavens, the, if you are, if you, if your Philadelphia list, right, it's birds. I have seen in Philadelphia from Philadelphia, but that's not the implication when you say my Philadelphia list, right? You're saying things I've seen in this geographic thing called Philadelphia. So if the bird is outside of Philadelphia, it is not in Philadelphia. Even if you saw it from Philadelphia, and even if it landed on the eBird spot of where you were, because it was never in Philadelphia. I disagree, good sir. <laughs> I disagree. For me, it's what I have documented from Philadelphia. Okay, that's what I would but, say. But then, if you're in, if you're in a, obviously you're not in a competition for Philadelphia list, right? But let's say you, you're kind of comparing lists with somebody else. You've got to have that straight with the other people to sort of yeah. compare. Well, I, again, I, just, I follow I follow eBird protocol as far as my listing goes, and that stands me in pretty good stead. Yeah, I yeah, no, I, I can see the other side on this one. I gotta say, because <laughs> yeah, it's just a game. You saw the bird; the bird exists, and the bird should be documented or should be on eBird. All that, yeah. But you know, in terms of the game, uh, you know, you're in, watching gulls over the Niagara River and they're crossing in between the US and Canada. I think you could, you know, you could on your eBird list, you know, you you count them as from where you saw them, but you could actually say, I've seen that species in New York State, because you've seen it while it mm-hmm. was in New York State, even though you weren't. Um I guess for but, me, uh, there, yeah. without an observer, if there's if there's no observer, there is no sighting. So to me, it all comes back to where the observer is. One huh. thing I like about that too, well, like in in your example, Alvaro, you know, a part of West Virginia and like Ohio is the Ohio River, and the majority of the river is technically West Virginia, but then part of it, the last, I don't, I'd have to look, you know, however many feet is like the Ohio side. So there's subjectivity to that. You have to like guess how far out the birds are if they're sitting on the opposite bank where if at least if you're just going by what you see it's very black and white you either saw it from the city limits or you didn't and you're the one that's putting yourself in that position of i'm in the boundary or i'm not and you're not guessing for the bird exactly so so here's a here's a good one um san francisco county uh for some you know historic reason the water that is in the golden gate is all san francisco county so all the way to the marin side 
Marin County side, the water is actually in San Francisco. So there was a way back when there used to be Iceland goals and they were different from their goals. It was an Iceland goal that landed in that area and people counted it for both counties, depending mm. on where it was sitting. Mm-hmm. So if it was in the water, it counted as San Francisco. If it was on the land, it counted as, as Marin, but they had, they were very strict about the fact that, you know, if it, if you just saw it swimming around in the water, you could only count it in your, your San Francisco County list or whatever, because of how the lines were drawn. And obviously where you were didn't change, but, um, I think, I think these are, I mean, in a way, these are silly questions that have deep resonance to some people's <laughs> That's right. thoughts. I, yeah. I have another example. I, I think I talked about this one a few months ago. Um, I photograph an Arctic loon. I didn't see it at the time. I photographed a loon thinking it was a Pacific type loon. Then later I identified it from the photo and it actually counts because of where it was for my five mile radius list, which is one that I care about actually. So, and it's a, that's a pretty good one, you know, that's a great bird Arctic anywhere, loon, yeah. you know, yeah. For, mm-hmm. So, but you know, the question is like, did you really see it? How can you count something you didn't see or know about? But to me, like the moment I saw the photographs, I was like, oh my God, you know, and then I went through this process of, figuring out what that in, indeed was an Arctic loon and send it to a bunch of people and so forth. And to me that being involved in that process of actually identifying it was satisfying in a way that allowed me to feel fine about counting a thing that I didn't know was there at the time. And, and I, I you know, and other people in the area are like, you know, that sounds good to me, you know, but I think if somebody had looked at my photo I put it online and said, you know, that's an Arctic loon. I would have been like, oh, dang. And I wouldn't have felt comfortable hmm. with the thing because I had nothing to do in the process of figuring right. out what You it couldn't was. take ownership of, of yeah. the identification. Right. Or, or the detection, really. Yeah. Or the detection. Yeah. And, and, Interesting. And some would say that's the same. It doesn't matter, right? It is what it is. And you were there and you saw and you documented it. So, it should not matter, but it does matter to me. So, <laughs> so another one that's coming up more and more, I see, are people that have recording stations in their houses, or you know, like for recording nocturnal migrants. Um, and some people will do like live listening, you know, um, you know, as they're recording, um, and. You know, I've seen it where in some cases, somebody will be like basically lying in their bed or sitting at their desk inside listening as their microphone on the roof records migrants. And I know some folks really think that that is like kind of a nebulous way to get a yard bird um, versus if you're in the field and you're like actually pointing a microphone at it or you're you're actually outside that bothers them less uh and i'm i don't know how i feel about it myself hmm. 
Yeah. Now, now thinking through that scenario, it would be much harder for me to count a bird that came up on the, the game can. If, uh, if, uh, I don't know. Ivory build woodpecker that I hadn't seen. Yeah, like an ivory build woodpecker. I'd, I'd struggle to count that as a life bird, although I would have photographic evidence. So. <laughs> I, I think. Uh, In I mean, fact, I might have one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you don't have to actually have pretty good evidence to. Kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, that if, if there's. Yeah, the evidence is in that you don't need good evidence to claim you've seen one. That much we we know. Yeah. Anyway. The. You know, I think the uh, the people counting, if you're recording birds flying over your your house and you're there sitting there listening in and you hear the thing and you're like, what the heck is that? And then later you analyze it and you figure out, oh, it's a, I don't know, you know, something good, cerulean warbler or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's a process and you were there and you, you sort of. If you're just recording them, you grab them next morning, that's good data for eBird or other, you know, venues. But in terms of your house yard list, I don't think it counts. I agree. I think. Yeah, I agree. Except the one thing I guess is I don't, I feel like if you're like comfortably ensconced in splendor inside your house while listening, as opposed to being in the field, to me, that's a little different. Um, Like. Has has your field craft gotten so good that you don't really have to put in too much effort anymore? Or, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're next to your microphone, if you're outside, that's different than, you know, being inside on a lazy boy, you know, drinking a beer, you know. Um, you have a lazy boy? Know. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have a? I got a beanbag chair. That's about as close as oh, I get to a lazy wow. boy around here. Yeah. So how about this? Okay, um, you are photographing with your old school camera setup. Uh, you photograph something good. There's a golden crown sparrow in your backyard. You can see it as you're photographing. It takes off, never to be seen again. You never saw it with binoculars. You just saw it through your camera. I think is that's pretty clear cut you identified you saw it it's just like seeing it through your binoculars now you do the same with a mirrorless camera where you're seeing a screen rather than the actual photons Hmm. is that completely irrelevant or is it right it's the actual light being bent by the uh you know the glass or whatever and you see that in the old school rig in the new one, you're not seeing that. You're seeing sort of a, a display, you know, digital a display, display. Yeah. of exactly what happened. Um, and then if if that's the case, you know, if you're if you're okay with that, then in the future, would you allow for like you know looking through screen binoculars where you're increasing the light? We'll or, get there too. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I'm, it just goes further than just now of the photons, mm-hmm. but later you'd be able to actually see that thing enhanced, making it easier for you to identify it. But you wouldn't have back in the day because you wouldn't have been able to see it so well. What do you say to all that? 
Mm. Say we tackle that in a future podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much, huh? <laughs> yeah. A couple well, decades sort of, down the road, we'll revisit that. Yeah. I mean, and it does come up a little bit now where you've got uh, groups birding where somebody puts their phone on the scope, you know, is digiscoping, and mm-hmm. everybody just looks at the screen rather than looking through the scope itself. And, like, some people prefer that because it's like, wow, look at us. We can, you know, it's like watching it on TV, but it's right there. Or maybe it's really far away, but you can actually see it better, you know, this way. Whereas other yeah. people are like, well, I want to look at it through the scope. That, you know, seeing it there is cool, but I want to see it through the scope. And I kind of yeah. get that, too. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I kind of understand both sides of it. The photons thing doesn't really bother me that much because I think we're heading down that road. And, you know, I don't think, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't let it bother me too, too much, I guess. Yeah, but I, I guess, like, let's say I'm we're we're in the future. I'm leading a bird trip. I've got my binoculars with my screen there, and I uh, I see uh, Kirtland's warbler sitting there. Nobody else can see it. I, I don't want to move, right? I don't want to move. I'm going to lose it. But then I send everybody the image through their binos or special, like you know, electro binos. You airdrop them, and then they're all, your, they're all your, yeah, your they're, eye, eye binos, yeah, right. And they're all looking in the same direction. Maybe somebody gets a glimpse afterwards or something. You know, classic birdings, but nobody saw it as well as I did. But I have proof that it was there while they were there. Um, identification: they actually saw the image, but they didn't actually see the bird. They were part of the event, but not part of seeing the actual bird what do you like is that just clear cut or is it not i don't know seems dubious to me as a uh, i know Uh, yeah i think we're heading that way though yeah and you know the classic did you see it well enough for me to count it right take on a different meaning you know in in the future so yeah one of my favorite things i remember seeing on a checklist was like, you know, old school day, pre-eBird doing checklists at the end of the day with the group and next to a, a little, next to one of the, like, I, I called out a bird and somebody wrote next to that bird on the checklist that said LSS. And I was like, huh, ask him about that later. And I was like, so what was the LSS? And she looked at me and she goes, leader says so. <laughs> <laughs> which i liked it was basically like that leader said it was that i saw it but you know i don't know you know i'm right. not sure and i was like that's interesting as well you know some yeah. people have different designations it is a, a list is a personal thing right that it yeah. is you know i have a few uh countries that are filled in on my ebird map that i wouldn't say i visited where i've had like layovers for flights and I was there for a few hours, but I have a checklist of four birds. So <laughs> they're filled in on that. That's another yeah. direction, which like they're totally on my life list. Um, but they're not in places that I would say I visited. Right. That you've really seen or experienced. Yeah. I think, I think in that those people that list countries, you cannot list an airport. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. know, like the hundred club country people or country regions or whatever. They there is a, they have rules as you have to step out or get your passport stamped or whatever. 
But I think for an eBird map, you're you're fine. You saw those birds. You were there. You're geographically there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. It's not like George's ducks that he didn't see. It. <laughs> it's totally different. We're going to start something in Philadelphia. You know, there's going to be people protesting outside your house, you know. Oh, yeah. There's gonna be Take one off your there. list, George. <laughs> Back to you 299, George. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what you've done, George? <laughs> yeah, probably not <laughs> You confessed off. on the air. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, you know, the the other aspect of this whole list thing, you know, like when people say, well, you, you know, you're not that much of a lister. Why, you know, there's multiple reasons why I like novelty and like seeing new things and all that, but I'm not really sort of keen on the numbers of the lists other than for like game things, backyard, you know, mm-hmm. um, five mile radius or whatever. Um, I did go up. Uh, two on my chili list. I do actually like that chili oh, list. Yeah, we talked um, about that, that you were maybe going to get some chili birds. I am intrigued. That's right. But the 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 thing is, too, when you're inter- interested in taxonomy and you know that house friend is actually, oh, 10 plus species rather than one or two, right. or that, you know, certain goal or I don't know, whatever you know through the biological stuff that you're interested in, that it's more than one species, and yet it only counts as one, it seems silly. You know what I mean? It's sort of, you're, mm-hmm. we're not dealing with the truth in a sense. We're dealing with this concoction. So it m- makes the list less interesting in a sense, yet I want to see the elements of what make those multiple house friends. You know, I want to see those things, and they may not count, but to me, they matter, right? Like, it's not just a house wren. So, so the actual official numbers become less important. Obviously, it's different for a backyard. You know, things are a little bit more sorted out, you know, when you're, you know, U.S. Canadian backyard. But um, in world travel, at least, it, it's a little dicier, you know. But yeah. yes, I did go up too. Yeah, so, so it, it was house wren and uh, house wren. What, what was this? No, the two. They were Patagonian tinamou oh, and God, elegant right. crested tinamou. Minutes <laughs> from each other, thirty wow. minutes from each other. Two birds that were kind of inaccessible, not even there when we did the birds of Chile book. Now they're they're kind of becoming. They're not common, but they're super regular now. I did not I think realize I mentioned that, but it. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize that elegant crested would be a difficult bird, but I guess there's mountains that get in the way. Well, not there actually, um, but um, yeah, but I guess generally you're right. exactly that's why where I where I saw it down in Magallanes, it's on the east side of the Andes. Yeah. So, but they've they've all they've spread south as probably through war, you know, global warming and some other aspects of changes in in you know probably a number of sheep or something like that was it a flock of three that you saw it was a flock of three patagonian tinamous yes oh i was talking about the elegant crests but uh, yeah they're they're the same like all yeah yeah they they function that same three often in threes uh, the patagonians puna tinamous and the two crested tinamous for some reason almost always in threes 
like witches. Witches are in threes always. Have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Shakespeare. Yeah, there's always yeah. three witches. Mm-hmm. You know, three. Big it's Macbeth. a magical number. Big Macbeth fan over here. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, yeah. um, we are coming up on the hour here, guys. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm curious what Molly Brown has on the horizon coming up. Anything, uh, anything particular you want folks to know about? Uh, you know, good question. I don't have as busy of a November as you two. So I, I really don't have anything coming up. We, uh, we're putting together some, more co-op trips for the the end of 2023. So those will be announced soon. Nice. And otherwise just uh, gearing up for a little bit of winter travel, heading to Costa Rica in December and, and then Colombia in February. Mm-hmm. Nice. And the December trips a, is a burning co-op trip and it is a co-op trip. Yep. Yeah. To the Osa Peninsula. That's going to be awesome. It will be. Yeah. Nice. As will Columbia. We're looking forward to that as well. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, Alvaro, this is interesting in that I'm going to be seeing you in person in about a week's time. So yeah. uh, that'll be, yeah, first time in a, in a little stretch here. That is true. We, we, uh, we're going to have to figure out how to do a, a podcast uh, from Ushuaia, maybe before we go, and then uh, then one, you know, while we're at that. sea, yeah, while we're at sea, um, yeah, yeah um, ah, it's too bad we didn't get to the uh, Halloween costume stuff, but you know, <sighs> oh well, you know, yeah. we always run out of time. I I have had multiple people say to me, oh, I really enjoy that, you know, the, po- the podcast and all that, and. How come you guys always say, oh, we're coming up on the hour? It's like, I want it to keep on going. <laughs> and I've taken that as a, you know, that somehow we're hitting a chord with some folks who want to keep, have us keep talking. But today we cannot because the, the World Series, the, the World, World series. series, the World Series between Houston and Philadelphia. But, uh, you know, friend of mine who's a football fan always points that out. He's like, the World Series, what's that, between Cincinnati and Cleveland? You know, like uh, a peculiar name for a sporting event. But, uh, yeah. yeah, um, You know know where that comes from? The World Series? Yeah, I actually know this. I think I used to uh, know this. It was a way back when baseball was sort of in the infancy, whatever. There was a newspaper called The World that decided to create a tournament of sorts that uh, became the World Series. And it's not not named for the fact that there, you know, all countries of the world come together, but it's it was named for the newspaper. And obviously baseball fans are probably going, he's wrong. It's different. But that's what I heard. Hmm. You know, yeah, that is a that is a that is a tidbit that is news to me. Yeah. There you go. So you don't have to feel bad. You know, if you were thinking like it was some kind of American kind of like, you know, we're so insular that that's very definitely think, what I thought it was. Yeah. You think that Philadelphia versus, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's the world. No, there's other places in the world, like, you know, Canada, <laughs> Uganda. Yeah. 
So yeah, there you go. Although now it kind of is a World Series because half the players are from you know, all over the place. Yeah. Dominican Republic. So our starting pitcher tonight is from Barquisimeto, Venezuela. Uh, Venezuela. Yeah. So uh, see how Ranger Suarez does. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks much. Uh, good talking to you guys. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for your questions and comments and. We will be back soon with another episode of Life List. Take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.